0: Hey, I'm Jana, the little sister. And I'm Jeff, her big brother. Welcome to Sibling Rivalry, a podcast about our favorite sport, baseball. This week on Sibling Rivalry Baseball, they're just dancing in the streets. But whose streets? You mean like the waltz or foxtrot? You know, why don't we just tango over to some SRBB headlines? The NHL
1: has postponed the 2021 Winter Classic and the 2021 All-Star Weekend due to concerns over the coronavirus. The St. Louis Blues and Minnesota Wild were scheduled to play on January 1st in Minnesota. The Florida Panthers were set to host the All-Star Weekend. The league said the events will be rescheduled.
0: ESPN has canceled plans to host eight of their 10 college basketball events at the Wide World of Sports Complex, which hosted the NBA Bubble at Disney World. The events remain on the schedule for the 21-22 season. There is still hope for the Champions Classic and the Jimmy V Classic to take place this season just at different locations. Michael
1: Jordan and his number 23 have joined racing as he becomes the first black majority owner in NASCAR, along with partner Denny Hamlin one they welcome Bubba Wallace to Team 23XI. The team will drive Toyotas and will
0: have a guaranteed spot in every Cup Series race in 2021. MLBPA announced their 2020 Players' Choice Award winners as voted on by the players. Freddie Freeman walked away with the Player of the Year Award, as well as the NL Outstanding Player. Jose Abreu took home the AL Outstanding Player Award. Shane Bieber and Trevor Bauer grabbed the Outstanding Pitcher Awards for the AL and NL respectively, while. Kyle Lewis and Jake Cronenworth were recognized as the Outstanding Rookies of the Year. You can find these in past week's headlines on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com. Remember to rate and subscribe wherever you listen. And tell a friend to listen to the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. As the baseball
1: season is wrapping up, our season is coming to a close as well. The last episode of our rookie season will be November 5th. We will still be tweeting, Instagramming, and Facebooking, so keep following us for all of the hot stove action and off-season chatter. We will be back for Season 2 of Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast on March 25th
0: for our 2021 season premiere. 2020 World Series champion has been crowned, as most people know here in California We've been in a drought for years. The Dodgers have been a big part of that drought for like the last 32 years. Last seeing a World Series championship in October of 1988. As of now, that drought. It's time
1: for Dodger baseball. Is over.
0: Indeed it is. The Dodgers have walked away with the 2020 World Series championship. And as we said last week, that means it truly is a World Series championship. It's not just a piece of metal. And I do have to say, congrats to the Rays. They played a great series. With the exception of a couple of bad moves by Kevin Cash, there very well could have been a Game 7, and who knows how that would have come out. But instead, after six games, the Dodgers have finally grabbed that World Series championships that has eluded them for a while. One of the biggest things that I saw was afterwards, Dave Roberts saying to Clayton Kershaw, I'm so happy for you. And I think everybody on the team, more than they were even happy for themselves to win, they were happy that Clayton finally got a World Series ring.
1: Yeah, Clayton Kershaw was awesome this World Series. He was 2-0, 2.31 ERA. His whip was like .95 or, or under, something crazy like that. So all those naysayers that were like, oh, Clayton Kershaw in the postseason, he's going to choke. No longer. Clayton Kershaw is a World Series champion and a future Hall of Famer.
0: Oh, absolutely. He was that without the ring, but right. this definitely makes it a lot sweeter. And he won it just like, I think they said he was about 15 minutes from his house.
1: Yeah, he had to stay in the hotel. He, he and his family, they were all staying in the hotel with him, only, but only 15 minutes from his house. So cool for him to be in his hometown and win a World Series
0: championship. So let's go back and look last week. We had had the first two games of the World Series. It was a split. It was one and one, one to one, going into game three. Walker Bueller faced off against Charlie Morton. Big talk about this matchup. Charlie Morton had been on top of his game. This was there were a few differences this time. The roof was closed. There was a chance of rain and things like that. So they closed the roof. Is that going to make a difference? Will the fly ball fly less now because the roof is closed? Is it an advantage or disadvantage for the Dodgers? There were a lot of other cool things that happened in the game. Number one, G-Man Choi doing the splits at first base.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he's like six one. Two hundred and they said tonight is two hundred sixty pounds, something like that. Anyway, well, he looks him- <laughs>
0: pretty good for being that big. He's-
1: I know that was amazing. The splits, yeah, total. That was amazing. So, and he had other, he had other defensive moves, not just the splits. He jumped, he twirled.
0: Well, how many times <laughs> did he? Did he tag people, come off the base and still tag the man out going to first? Uh, One time he was up in the air and came down and was able to tag Mookie right on the helmet. He was definitely fun to watch. And I think in this last game, game six, they put his moves to like a ballet type music. (laughs) Yeah, that was was good. In this game, Justin Turner. Broke the home run record for the Dodgers in World Series. And then we had talked about this before, but a Rolling Stones song popped in my head with Mookie Betts. And it was Start Me Up. (laughs) That's a good one. Whenever he got going, and I think they even mentioned it in the uh, postgame of Game 6, when they were talking to Mookie, that when he didn't get a hit or when he didn't contribute, they didn't win. And he wasn't the guy. He wasn't the, the MVP of the series. But he definitely was the catalyst or the conduit that you've called him all season long.
1: Yeah, when Mookie gets on base, whether it's a walk or, you know, he hits a double or whatever it may be, he's electric on those base pads. But it gets the other guys in the lineup. They're excited. And yeah, there's it's the spark. And he just provides that spark. And of course, everybody is happy, even if you're not a Dodgers fan, because Mookie Betts has given you a free taco.
0: Right. Can't complain about that. As far (laughs) as all the games that I saw the Dodgers play in the postseason, this was probably the most complete game that they played. Bueller started off through six innings, only gave up three hits and one run, struck out 10 on 93 pitches. Then Blake Trinan pitched well. Bruce Gargaterol, he had a seven pitch inning. In the one that he pitched, so they they were good, and even Kinley, who threw an inning, gave up one hit, which was a home run to anyone, anyone. The only Randy, guy that seemed to hit home runs. <laughs> yeah, Randy Rosarena, <laughs> who, if the Rays had gone on to win this series, would have been a contender for the MVP. Oh, he's most probably definitely. the Rays have hit him to thank for a lot of their offense. He carried that team, so he and definitely he's only a did. So pitching was great. Mookie kicked everything off with a double. was two for five, had two stolen bases. JT, two for five, had that home run. So that was the one RBI he had. Max, I think if Max had hit more, he probably could have been an MVP candidate as well.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, he had a lot of the one uh, home run where, like I, I've said before, I don't really like, you know, they kind of stop and stare. But on that one, he deserved... <laughs> to stop and stare but um yeah i think he was really patient in the box which during the season we hadn't seen a lot of but yeah he would definitely be an mvp candidate if he had hit more but he came up in important parts you know getting a walk or a hit right. he, when we he, needed uh,
0: contributed greatly he win this game in game three went two for four two rbis and a walk Because Austin Barnes hit a home run in that game, two RBIs, he was one for three. So overall, a great game. The one guy who had been contributing pretty consistently that didn't in this game would have been Chris Taylor, who struck out three times, went 0 for 4.
1: Yeah, something was
0: off with Chris Taylor.
1: Noticed it in this game. He usually can come up with a clutch hit, but he was struggling, just not finding the ball when he needed to. And uh, yeah, so he was a surprise. I will say with Austin Barnes, he had a home run in the sixth, which was huge. But one thing that was really big was the sacrifice bunt that he laid down. That was perfect and surprised the Rays, I think, too.
0: And it made him only the second player in history to get a RBI bunt and a home run in the same game.
1: Yeah, I think the guy who that is with him in that category was from the
0: Yankees in 1961. Morton didn't have a great game through 91 pitches, gave up five runs. John Curtis followed him out of the pen. He's the one that gave up Austin's home run. After that, it's good that they scored like they did, because after that, the Rays bullpen only allowed two runners in the final three innings, a walk and a hit. So had they not taken advantage of things early on, if it had been close, they were shut down towards the end. So they took a two games to one lead, which brought us to game four, to be perfectly honest, was my breaking point. (laughs) I was so disappointed in this. In fact, well, we'll get to it. I have, you know, I'll have to throw my disclaimer out there, but this game... Was so back and forth, and there were so many plays, especially towards the end of it. I was sure that this was the end of it. The Rays were going to take over from there. Final score, 8-7 to seven by the Rays. Julio Udias started out, 4.2 innings pitched, gave up two runs, struck out nine, just threw 80 pitches. He did give up two home runs, one to Hunter Renfro, the Mike Trout lookalike. Yeah, I was,
1: I was going to say that. He totally looks like him. And I was going to text you, but during these last couple of games, I've just been really high end, like not being able, just don't leave me alone. I just got to watch the game. <laughs> I just can't do anything else. You can't multitask.
0: Well, and then, of course, the other home run he gave up, to was, I don't know, who what's this guy's name again? Randy Rosarena.
1: Yeah, something like that. I think I've heard yeah. of him before.
0: It seems like every game you look at it, home run, arena. So he pitches pretty well. Blake Trining comes in, only pitches two-thirds of an inning, gives up a hit and two runs, followed by Petey Baez, who pitches an inning and two-thirds. When he shouldn't have pitched that long they left him in there a little too long he ends up giving up two home runs one to Brandon Lau and one to Kevin Kiermaier
1: with PD with Pedro Baez he came out he had a good inning and then they put him back in and that's like why are you doing this and Dave Roberts said I went over I talked to him he said he felt good and I put him back in and he took the blame. For putting him back in because of what happened. You know, Pedro is a good pitcher. You put him in different situations. We've seen the highs and we've seen the lows, like really lows with him. And so he's one of those guys that you don't necessarily, you're kind of like, okay, we're going to get through this. It's not, you're not always confident because you just don't know what he's going to do. But in this one, it's on Dave Roberts because he sent him back out there.
0: At least he took credit for it. Before, it was like, well, you know, they, they were always beating around the bush to answer. He just took it. Tough game at the plate. Mookie 0-5, but they did score seven runs, and a lot of that is because of Corey Seager and Justin Turner, who were both 4-5 for 5 in this game. They each hit a home run. Corey scored three runs. And had two RBIs, Justin, scored two runs and had one RBI. Jocelyn, two for two. Max, with an RBI, went one for four. Cody was 0 for 4, but he was intentionally walked. They were playing well, and it was a one-run lead because they just kept giving up runs. And in fact, they set this in this game. The two teams set a record for scores in eight half innings.
1: Yeah, every time you looked at the box score, it was one run here. Rays would get a run, the Dodgers would get a run, and it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So it was a, a real. It was a good game. Scoring-wise, because you just never knew what was going on until right. it was exciting. Later. It was like,
0: who's going to put up the zero? Yeah, exactly. And who's going to stop that? Now, here's what happens. And this is where I just got super frustrated. Dave Roberts brings in Kinley Jansen. I think around that point, I said, oh, Kinley's going to come in. We need 12 more runs. Yes, you did. And I agreed with you. <laughs> Kinley actually comes in. Starts off okay. There was a bloop single that one more step and Kike has it. Outreach. It was just past the end of his glove. But it wasn't a big deal because it was something you could work with. But there's two outs in this inning and a Rosarena is at the plate. So you're worried about that. He gets him down two strikes and you can see in randy's eyes that he's not the confident young man he's been and he's facing a guy who has been here many times before all they needed was one more strike and they're one game away from a win full count Kenley bounces one up there he threw a what a 57 footer
1: <laughs> i don't know what that it was hit
0: in front of the plate bounced in walk a rosarena's on base Yeah. On one side, you're like, well, I'm glad that he didn't give you something to hit because they could have gone up right now. So, okay, he walked. You're okay. You can take... This isn't... What happens next isn't entirely Kinley's fault. However, Kinley throws the ball. It's another bloop single. He didn't have any hard hit balls. It was another bloop single. Chris Taylor, who was out in center field, charges in, gets it, but doesn't play it right. And it boots off of him he does though hustle gets it and makes a great throw to home which stops a rosarena in his track and he actually kind of falls and tumbles around to try to go back at that point though will smith loses the ball and a rosarena says oh and he gets in there and is safe meaning that they've just won the game because they were the home team so it's a walk-off now I didn't bother to watch anymore. I was mad. I turned off the TV and I went on my way and I was ranting and raving around the house. I think I texted you. That's it. They're done. Raising six. Yeah. can't believe they screwed this up. So the next day I'm watching, or maybe even later that night I'm watching and I'm watching a playback of that. And the one thing that sticks with me is Kinley at one point, is standing next to a Rosa Rosarena halfway down the third baseline. Why was Kinley standing there? I didn't notice it during the play because so many things were happening. We're watching CT3, error, thrown into to Will Smith, error. Had Kinley been where he's supposed to be, we're probably going to Zinnings.
1: Yeah, and a Rosarena was at third base, and on that play, he took off for home, but in the process, he stumbled. He actually fell, and was kind of army crawled <laughs> to home plate. Uh, Will Smith didn't know where the ball was, had missed it. But with Kenley Jansen not being in position, I mean, that was something I think that was really frustrating. Of course, with the ending of the game it was super frustrating. But with Kenley, you're taught in Little League, the pitcher, you back up the catcher. And he wasn't there. He didn't, I, I don't, I'm not sure what he was. What he was doing
0: when the more frustrating part about this was in the post game, he blew it off. It doesn't matter why I wasn't there. We're moving on to the next game. We got to play again tomorrow. Doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, it was really flippant. He didn't seem to care. I want to think that he did somewhere, but we go back and 45 minutes before the game, Cody Bellinger was scratched from the lineup. Well, he was the DH, but he didn't play center field. Chris Taylor usually plays the infield, second base, uh, shortstop, left field. I don't remember. I'm sure I've seen him play in center field, but I don't, I can't even tell you. Any games that I remember him playing in, because normally Cody is there, and if Cody's not there, then AJ Pollock will be there. Because sometimes Cody will play uh, first base, so I think some of that was also an issue putting Chris Taylor in center field because he was looking to see where the runner was, and you know he still was able to get the ball in. And if Will Smith hadn't have dropped that ball. Oh, he didn't really drop it. He just missed the the catch. The game would be in zinnings So an air on Chris, an air on Will, and just really deflated. That was a it was a horrible game. Really bad.
0: AJ Pollock started in center field. They uh pinch hit Jocelyn for him. Chris Taylor was in left field to start, which he's played often. Yeah. Had that great play versus the Padres. Yeah, in San Diego. Yeah. He slid him. To center and put Jocelyn into left and that's how that set that up it was crazy I even looked at it and wrote down exactly how that inning went Sutsugo comes in pinch hits for the Rays strikes out Kiermeyer comes up and singles Joey Wendell flies out Kiermeyer moves to second base on the Rosarena walk and then Phillips Brett Phillips comes up he's off the bench hasn't played at all and he gets that bloop single Kiermeyer scores, that ties it up. And then the errors and a Rosarena, of course, scores there. He had a great game, three for four, one RBI and a home run, of course. Scored three runs, that last one being the game winner. They played a great game and it was at the end, the Dodgers gave it away.
1: Yeah. So it was very
0: frustrating. I had no interest in watching it. And in fact, by the time game five started, I had turned off my phone and I took a nap. Yeah. Block is like, I can't believe you're sleeping through the game. You're not going to watch it. She was watching it. Yeah. I wasn't paying any attention to it. She had told me she was going to watch a Hallmark. You know, they got new Christmas movies coming on already. So she was <laughs> going to watch that. So I'm expecting that's so what she's watching. I was out. I was drooling. That's how much asleep I was. <laughs> I didn't care. And, it, and throughout that game, if they'd lost, I didn't care. If they won, I didn't care. Really, I thought they were going to lose. Because a loss like the Game 4 loss can carry over into the next game. So I'm going to let you talk about Game 5 since I didn't watch it. I have all the numbers <laughs> in front of me. You know, I know Max, that's the home run that Max watched Yes. go out. I know that, that Kershaw pitched a pretty good game. Dustin May, Victor Gonzalez, and Blake Trinan, uh threw three scoreless innings in relief. And I know that Tyler Glass now started for the Rays, and had another 100-pitch game, 102.
1: Yeah, this was a really good game. I know you said you weren't going to watch. Blanc actually texted me and said, Jeff's boycotting the game, which I had already known. And yeah, uh, it, it was a good game because the Dodgers, after that disastrous ninth inning the Dodgers came back. The next day, game five, Kershaw's on the mound. That always gives the team a lot of confidence. He pitched five and two-thirds innings. He had five hits, two runs, two earned runs, two uh, walks, six strikeouts. Didn't give up a home run. Looked really good. And, of course, one of the things, though, is when Roberts came out to take him out of the game, Justin Turner was, they, you know, they're all on the mound. And Justin Turner even said, To Dave Roberts, he can get this last out. He can get this out. He can do it. But as we learned later, it was all part of a plan before the game. And Kershaw was part of that plan. And that was to bring Dustin May in. And Dustin May pitched one and two-thirds inning. One hit, but no runs, two strikeouts, no walks. And the difference with this Dustin May that we saw in game five is he was more controlled. He'd been really amped up and couldn't find the zone. But in this game, he looked like Dustin May during the regular season, and which is why Dustin May is an important part of the pitching staff of the Dodgers. And then Victor Gonzalez came in, and then Blake Trinan, they were lights out, didn't give up any um, hits. Trinan gave up one, but he struck out two. And the Dodgers went on to win four to two. But The important part of this game is that the Dodgers came out in the first inning and got on the board first, and who was it? Mookie Betts with a double, and he got it started, and he puts him in scoring position. Corey singles and Mookie, Cody singles to bring in Corey, so they're already up, you know, up. Which I've said before, we've talked about it. It's important for the Dodgers to get on the board first. Now, it doesn't mean that if they don't get on the board first, that they're going to lose, but there's a huge momentum for that lineup when they have first run or two runs or whatever it may be. Tyler Glass now, five innings, six hits, four runs, three walks, seven strikeouts, gave up two home runs. One of the interesting things about this game Manuel Margot was on third base and third base coach didn't tell him to go, but he thought he could do it. He tried to steal home, a la Jackie Robinson. Didn't work out in his favor because Max was telling Kershaw, step off, step off. And Clayton Kershaw said, yeah, I heard Max Muncy, you know, shouting at me to step off. I stepped off and they got uh, Margo off out at home plate and Austin Barnes ca- uh, catches Kershaw, but we've also seen Austin as we affectionately call him. Cause he's so much, I like Will Smith and he's going to be a great defensive catcher, but he's got a lot of work to do. And so I always feel really good when Austin is behind the plate because defensively he's one of the best um, in the league.
0: Yeah, this year you definitely had moments where, oh, good. Austin's out there. Cuz is catching. We're good. Yep. Yep.
1: Kershaw is the Major League Baseball all-time postseason strikeout leader with 207 strikeouts after this game, passing Justin Verlander, who had 205. It was such a feel-good game for Dodger fans because Game 4 was so disastrous, and Everybody was there were so many questions like why was Baez left in? What about this? And then because of that game four, we still had questions like, why are you taking Kershaw out? Why are you putting Dustin May in when we know he's been really, really iffy? We know he's good, but this postseason, not so good. But he came back out and like I said, he had the one hit, but two strikeouts, no runs, no walks. Looked really good, so it was a good, solid win for the Dodgers, four to two, which put them put them up
0: 3-2. Right. One, one game away from uh, from winning it all. What like you said, they tacked early. Just at looking at the uh, the box score, you know, Glass now gave up all the runs. The four relievers that followed him combined to shut down the Dodgers. They only allowed two walks. The Dodgers were were done after those four runs. So luckily. And they took advantage of Glass now when they could. Once again, Rosa Rosarena, one for four, had an RBI. Uh, Margot, two for three. Yandy Diaz contributed as well. Overall, pretty good game. From top to bottom on both sides, as far as just watching a game, it looks like when Kershaw pitches well, I think everybody, there's just, he's just a good guy. So, and th- there seemed to be a camaraderie between the two teams out there. I don't know how many times something would happen. Nobody got up mad because I, when Max fell on Adamas and Adamas kind of pulled him down, he helped him up. It wasn't like if they were playing the asterisks and they were ready to kick somebody or spike them. Yeah. This was not the case. And the the Rays, even when they got things going, even after that game four, it was hard to be mad at them for their celebration. That was an incredible win. And they didn't think they were going to do it.
1: Well, especially when you have somebody that comes up like Brett Phillips, who hit, he wasn't even on the roster for the championship series. He's on the roster for the World Series. He hit maybe 200 in the season, maybe even for his career. He gets up there and has his World Series moment. So, yeah, I mean, at the time, it's all a blur to me. I haven't, I don't want to go back and look at it again. <laughs> what happened? I mean, there were times for me, especially in this game five, and this is just me, but they seemed a little cocky on some of. Like uh, I think it was well, definitely Margot. He was definitely like, oh, put you know, doing the headset sign because he thought he be- he beat it, and that happened again with a Reina who tried to steal second and was out at second. So two big you know base running errors there, but just their attitude. And maybe a little of it was because they had won the night before. But looking back now, it irritated me, but I, you know, I was like, okay, they want to win this too.
0: So yeah, Brett Phillips split the season between Kansas City and Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah, he, but I've seen interviews with him and he's just a really goofy guy. I was watching a show where they were interviewing Kike Hernandez and he said that Kike's wife had met. Brett Phillips in the hotel and he said to her I'm the American Kike because he's (laughs) he's so goofy yeah he's goofy and he dances maybe not as well as Kike but yeah that's how he introduced himself just to
0: you were you were real close uh, with Kansas City in the first part of the year. He batted 226. Ah. Uh, his time with the Rays, he batted 150. Okay. Yeah, he didn't have a great year, but he had that one moment. It's a moment he'll never forget. So let's go to the deciding game. Definitely an elimination game. You can't count the Rays out because they're, they're- scrappy, right? And honestly and we'll talk about this as we go through with this game, but I believe that it was a bad move on the manager's part, on Kevin Cash's part. Not that the same result wouldn't have come to be, but it may have taken a little more effort uh, on the Dodgers comparatively. So Tony Gonsolin gets a start, and from what it looks like, he was supposed to be a starter this time, not an opener. And the race threw out Blake Snell, who has been ace-worthy this series. And one thing that, you can almost always count on. In fact, it feels like it goes without saying. There was a home run given up by Gonsolin, and who was it to?
1: Randy Aroserena.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Every game. I, re- I I
1: I got tired of looking at him. They showed him all the time, and I just said
0: I don't want to see him anymore. <laughs> Things didn't work out as well for him this time as they have in the past. However, Blake Snell, five and a third innings, gave up two hits, one run, struck out nine. Now, that's where the mess up was. They shouldn't have taken him out because he had owned the top of the order. All three, Mookie, Corey, and JT had all struck out the two times that they'd seen him. Yep. And instead of feeling what was going on and seeing what was happening, they went with the numbers it ended up costing them. It's like, oh, we're going to see it a third time around. Well, he's been controlling them. And wouldn't you rather lose with your ace that's pitching well?
1: Yeah, he had 73 pitches when Kevin Cash came out to the mound. Blake Snell was not happy. I don't blame him. I'm not going to... uh, This was a huge turning point because the Dodgers like to call themselves the hyenas, especially those guys like Kike and Edwin Reed. You know, they kind of pick up the scraps. I would say, though, even with them taking out Blake Snell, that was a huge, probably B factor in the game. You still weren't sure about the tampa bay bullpen because we've seen that they can be really good and they weren't
0: but when they talk about doing the numbers they brought in nick anderson who by his numbers shouldn't have been there no and it's something because mookie in a post-game interview they asked him they said yeah he took out blake snell how did that feel he goes Well, I'm not going to question somebody else's thing, but (laughs) we were happy about it. Yeah. That alone told him those guys were having a hard time with him. And that was their moment. Like, thank goodness he's out of there. We can maybe do something. And they did. They attacked Nick Anderson, who only threw a third of an inning, gave up a hit and a run. And then Fairbanks came in. He wasn't as iffy but he too he he went a little longer he went one and a third gave up two hits one run which was a home run to Mookie and that would be it it was three to one like we said Randy Rosarena again two for four a home run one RBI really from the Dodger standpoint not a really big offensive night. Snell yep. locked him down for most of it.
1: Yeah, he did. He he really I, I was thinking this is gonna be game seven because he was pitching so well. And what knocked him out was uh cuz Austin Barnes doing the Barnes name proud, hitting a single, and yep. that was it. And they just took him out, and then from there
0: it you know, well Mookie the first two doubled, runs and are manufactured runs. Yep. Mookie scored twice because he scored off of the double and cuz scored. So those were the first two runs. And then Mookie hit that home run. It really turned out to be another bullpen game because Gonsolin didn't go, but one and two thirds, Dylan Floro followed him. Alex Wood, who had been considered maybe for a start pitched really well, looked good. He did. Uh, he threw two perfect innings, struck out three, Pedro Baez, Victor Gonzalez, and Brewster our And then, they brought in who might be the guy you want to think about as being the the new closer
1: yeah julio urias he's been awesome this postseason he has nerves of steel i think ice water runs in his veins because he doesn't get amped up i mean he comes out and he just does it and he's looks so good and it was great to see him on the mound and that he went back out for the ninth inning because that was a question because we just never know
0: no and i think early in the day i asked you do you think we'll see kinley and you were like no but maybe (laughs) there was the chance that they could bring him in because he is Like Kershaw, he's been there for a long time, been to the World Series, been to the playoffs. And like Kershaw said in a post-game interview, been to the here and every time we lose, or I, he said, every time I lose. Yeah. And Kinley's another one who's been there a long time. Would they, Doc is a sentimental guy sometimes. Would he have brought him out just for that moment? And he fought off that urge, I'm guessing, and boom, two and a third. Perfect innings, four strikeouts. And once again, just like in the National League Championship Series, I felt that there should have been co-MVPs.
1: Yeah. I think Corey Seager was named MVP, but Julio definitely deserved the honor as well.
0: And I think in this series more so than in the Championship Series. Yeah. Because Corey really carried him along. He was the most consistent player through the World Series, but he was definitely... The pack mule in the league series in this one, though, they should have split it up. They should have made Corey and Julio cut that blazer Tahoe or whatever it was that he got (laughs) for winning the MVP in half. So the Dodgers in the drought and they I think this is more than the 32 years that it's been since they've won while we fans That's one big thing because we haven't seen that championship. Plus, just like in 1988, the Lakers won the championship. The Dodgers won the championship. So we have that. So that's a pretty cool thing as far as coincidences, I guess. But I think the bigger thing for the Dodger players is that they finally got over that hump. Three World Series in four years. And even regardless of what 2017 was, it was still hard and it got harder because of what we found out about it, but they still didn't, they didn't win it. Now they have, they have the championship back here in Southern California. The question is, what will they do next year? As the uh, post-game crew told Mookie, all right, 11 more. (laughs) Which would be awesome, 11 more. Yeah. It'd be like, will... uh, they'd be like the UCLA Bruins of college basketball, the Boston Celtics <laughs> of the NBA. Yep. A, dynasty, a true dynasty if they won 12 total I, yeah. back-to-back. I don't see yeah, that happening. But, I,
1: don't, I don't either. It's nice to think, uh, think about it, though.
0: And I uh, think th- that they really are going to have to watch, because even if they make it again next year, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Rays there and the Rays maybe even improve because now they know they took on the best and now they know what they need to do to compete with the best team. And it's kind of cool because a lot of times the best team's not always the one that makes it.
1: Right now, it's just relishing this championship. Yeah, I remember I what I was doing um, when I saw Kirk Gibson hit that home run in game one. And then being able to watch them win and seeing Earl Hershiser, the Bulldog, hoisted up onto the shoulders and just the excitement. And then to see all of that tonight was is just really cool. So, yeah, I mean, it, always excited for baseball season, but it's been disappointing the last three years. And this one is just great. I just I just so excited.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you bring that up about Oral Hershiser because I noticed that both Joe Buck and John Smoltz mentioned him a lot when they would refer to the 88 team. And they said not since the 88 team in the time of Hershiser. They didn't mention Kirk Gibson. They didn't mention M- Mickey Hatcher or the stuntman or any of that stuff. It was all about the Bulldog. And I'm sure he was celebrating, too. And Vin Scully even sent out a tweet about all of the, this is the seventh World Series victory.
1: It's just awesome. i just so excited for the Dodgers and for this team. And you feel as a fan, you get to know all of the players. Like they're, you know, you just know them. And um, so for like Kershaw to finally get that ring. And even to say, yeah, he's going to go in the Hall of Fame, but now he has a ring, you know, to show for it.
0: Right. Um,
1: Justin Turner, who is the captain of the team and everything, you know, these guys that have been nobodies, you know, Justin Turner played for the Mets, signed a minor league contract with the Dodgers because he was at a college game. I think like an alumni game and somebody from the Dodgers saw him and was like, hey, we need to sign you. Or think about Max Muncie, who was out. You know, he was
0: released from the A's. Yeah, and he was working in a regular job.
1: Yeah, and he was sitting on the the couch, and you know, and his dad was like, "Come on, let you know, you got to keep going. This isn't over for you." Or Chris Taylor, who was with the Mariners. They have their own, I guess, stuntmen of this team.
0: No, like absolutely, they did in, yeah, in '88. When you look at that, I was so I was excited to see for you, know, obviously with for Kershaw. First thing you see was Cuz running out to Julio, putting the ball in his back pocket. Yeah, always thinking. Yep. And just excited. And I didn't get up and yell and cheer, but I did get teary eyed, I have to admit. I'm you know, teary-eyed this is, now.
1: <laughs> this is
0: it was a pretty incredible game and a really great series. Once again, you got to give the Rays, unlike things we've seen in the past. Now, when the, when they played the Red Sox, you didn't really feel like the Red Sox, not like we did about the Asterix. The Asterix became outlaws. Yeah. They were bad guys. The Red Sox just came in and played really tough and showed that they were the better team. Congrats to the Dodgers. Uh, obviously, no parade. I'm sure that if I go and I look at the paper, that uh, and and the news that they're, they're probably still out in the streets from the victory. I, I wonder how many cop cars got turned over and burned in uh, celebration of the Dodgers. So now you can have a parade around your house, grab your <laughs> Dodger flag, and maybe go outside and up and down, walk to your mailbox and wave yes. your flag, and that'll be the championship parade.
1: I am a superstitious fan. I know we've talked about this before. I don't even in the last, in that last inning, my youngest said, Come, "Mom, you know they're gonna win," and I was like, "Shh, you you don't you don't know that, you know."
0: Well, you <laughs> told you me you didn't know. <laughs> you told me I couldn't watch Game Six well, because they won Game Five, and I was completely. I and honestly, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I didn't. Right. I stayed away from social media. I think at one point I got up from my nap and the TV was on and she was watching it. And I noticed the end of it and went right to commercial. So I ran over, did my thing, and then disappeared because <laughs> I was not going to take it in. Well, And you told me I couldn't watch.
1: I told you th- you couldn't watch this game. But then I texted you an SOS <laughs> and said, maybe you need to watch this game because... <laughs> right. Uh, they're losing and uh, we need reinforcements
0: (laughs) so and they were (laughs) able to come back and get it done so once again 2020 champions are one of our two favorite teams the los angeles dodgers Woohoo! the biggest award has been given out the world series championship has been won the trophy has been given to the Dodgers organization. The MVP, as we mentioned before, Corey Seager. Now it's time to look at the other awards that are coming up. A couple that have come out, the Mariano Rivera AL Reliever of the Year Award. That one went to Liam Hendricks of the A's. 1.78 ERA on the season, a 1.14 fielding independent pitching, and a 40.2% K rate. So he struck out 40.2%. Of all the batters, Devin Williams, who had a great season with the Brewers, he picks up the NL, the Trevor Hoffman Award. He had one earned run all season, and that happened in one of the first four games of the season. A 0.33 ERA, he didn't give up any hits from August 14th to September 11th. That's 31 batter's faced.
1: I'm sorry that he was injured for him, but I'm glad that he was not there. During the wild card.
0: Didn't have to see him. (laughs) No. The finalists for the Gold Glove Awards have been announced. The winners will be on election day. So the votes for them will be in. And I'm not going to be cliche like everybody else and go, go vote. Oh, man, I just did. All right. Uh, well, I'd much of-
1: rather watch Golden, Glo- uh, the Golden the Golden Globes, Globes. the Golden Globes, <laughs> the Golden Glove award winners than watch election results.
0: Well, a couple of them just to start off. Let's look at the American League. Uh, Griffin Canning from the Angels. Is one of the three pitchers. He's competing against Kenta Maeda, one of our favorites, and yeah. Zach Plesac of the Indians. Another former Dodger, Yasmani Grandal, yeah, love candidate from the White Sox now, which is Cat- a
1: big surprise because Yas is a good catcher, but we saw a lot of butterfingers going on with him too. So he mustn't like being the uh, in Chicago.
0: Maybe he just finally figured out if I want to be an all-around player, I got to do that because that was definitely his issues. And one of the reasons people weren't, So sad to see him go. True. The Rangers third baseman, Isaiah Kiner-Falafa, he's a former catcher. And I noticed throughout the times that he played versus the Angels and the Dodgers, he's got a cannon. He became a really good third baseman. And now he's up there for a golden glove at third base in the American League. Luis Robert. I always want to, because I say Luis, I always want to say it Robert or Robert. It's Luis Robert, (laughs) center fielder for the White Sox and probably a Rookie of the Year candidate also up for a gold glove. And then finally, another one that we picked out was Alex Gordon is up for a gold glove in this, his final season. He has announced his retirement. So hopefully he'll grab that on his way out the door. Just like a little parting gift.
1: Yeah, that would be nice for him. And just as an aside, Cody Bellinger
0: and Mookie Betts also nominees. Yeah. In the NL, they're Cody in center field, he's up against uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Trent Grisham. Yeah, Our favorite, not. And then uh, Mookie's, Mookie's competing in right field against uh, Charlie Blackman and Jason Hayward of the Cubs. And those are the only two. The Angels had one. The Dodgers had two. Anthony Rizzo, reigning Gold Glover at first base. Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, or a couple others. And then at shortstop, three guys who were all in the playoffs. Javi Baez. Mm-hmm. Miguel Rojas, and great literary figure, Dansby Swanson. (laughs) So Gold Gloves, the winners will be announced on the 3rd of November. Now, the day before that, the nominees for the big awards will be announced. And that's Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year, Cy Young, the MVP. This week, we decided to pick our own nominees and who our winners are. So why don't we go ahead and start off with Rookie of the Year AL, who are your nominees?
1: So my nominees for Rookie of the Year are Kyle Lewis of the Mariners, Luis Robert, Ryan Montcastle of Baltimore, and Willie Castro of the Detroit Tigers. I wanted to see how many games they played because that, to me, factors in a lot.
0: Right. My nominees were also Kyle Lewis, Luis Robert, Brian Mottcastle. There was one guy I wish I could have put in there, but I don't really think he qualified because he really only played the last month of the season. And that was the Angels' Jared Walsh.
1: Yeah. See, I wanted to put him in too, but because of the number of games, I just felt that, that he dis- he should be maybe honorary mention, <laughs>
0: Right, I think be, I think he did yeah. it. He did a lot and put himself in a position to be there if he just had a few more games. All right, yep. who are your? Before we look at the winners, who are your NL nominees? So
1: my NL nominees, I'm going with Tony Gonsolin, Kwang Hyun Kim from St. Louis, Jake Cronenworth, and Alec Bohm from Philadelphia.
0: Okay, I have Jake Cronenworth, Tony Gonsolin, Alec Bohm. But I also have Devin Williams as yeah. uh, as a rookie of the year. Those are mine. Who did you go with as your AL rookie of the year?
1: So this guy led all rookies in total bases, which is ninety, and he tied in the lead in home runs for a let with eleven, and that is Kyle Lewis of the Mariners, offensively, but also defensively. When he played, when they played against the Dodgers, I know he robbed at least one home run, and uh, just really like. Makes you stop and watch him play.
0: So it's unanimous out of his 58 games and 54 hits. Like you said, 11 home runs, 28 RBIs. But it, a lot of it was his fielding. He was, how many times did you turn on the highlights? And he and, was there. And he was part of the highlight package yeah. every night. So yeah, I go with him. And then you're in L rookie.
1: This is, might be a little bit biased, but because I really like him a lot and that is the Catman, Tony Gonsolin. He was two for two over the season. He pitched 46 and two-thirds innings, 46 strikeouts, had a 193 batting average versus opponents, and a .84 whip. If he had qualified, if he had enough innings to qualify, he would have had the fourth best ERA in the NL. And so I go with... With the Catman, Tony Gonslin.
0: I can imagine that. He did pitch really well during the season, and I'm sure we'll talk about it next week when we do a full wrap up on the Dodger and Angel seasons. Went with Devin Williams. I think that it's incredible to be as good as he was. When you're a closer, it's high leverage situations. And he was able to do the one thing that got me was his strikeouts per nine innings came out to be just over 17. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. 53 Ks and he's a reliever. So he's not pitching as many innings and a 0.33 ERA. So Devin Williams gets my rookie of the year. We'll find out on the 9th of November. Let's go to manager of the year. Uh, who were your American league nominees? Kevin Cash,
1: of course, from Tampa Bay. Aaron Boone from the Yankees. Dusty Baker, from Houston, and Rick Renteria, excuse me, from the White Sox.
0: All right. And I have the same four. Oh, I went all right. after that. All right. Your NL nominees before we pick our winners.
1: NL, I have Dave Roberts, Don Mattingly, David Ross, and Jace Tingler.
0: Okay. I went with Don Mattingly, Mike Schilt, Gabe Kapler. Okay. The Giants.
1: Yeah. And Jace,
0: and Jace Tingler. Who's your AL Manager of the Year?
1: So for AL, I went with the manager who took his team postseason, and they had missed the postseason for 11 straight years. They made it this year. They had a 35 and 25 record in a really tight Central Division, and that's Rick Renteria.
0: And we are in agreement on that one. I also thought that they had a team that they were putting together, but not sure how they were go- how it was going to come to to be. He had never had a winning record in the seasons previous. The weird thing about this is he's no longer the manager of the White Sox, so we won't see what he would have done to move them forward. And who knows who's going to end up taking over that team. Uh, how about your NL manager?
1: NL manager, I went with Jace Tangler. This is the first time they went to the playoffs since uh, 2006. It was, they were third among uh, Major League Baseball teams in winning percentage and second in run differential had a lot of good pieces that they gave him to work with, but he did a really good job. And so I think he, um, and he's a first year manager uh, with San Diego. So he
0: overcame some issues with the, with the pitching staff Yeah, and, that, and, and was able to make it through to make that happen. I'm going to go with, What I think is probably the obvious choice, Don Matting. And he had a lot of issues. (laughs) And I think that that's kind of the, like, that's the given. Most people are going to go with that. He's the favorite. He had all those issues at the beginning, but they were able to overcome them. Injury issues to deal with, with some of their better players. They got to the playoffs, that really affected him. But he helped a team that really probably shouldn't have even been close to the playoffs. And they made it and took out a team that was record-wise, better than them in the Cubs when they got there. And that was all because of his leadership throughout the season. Donnie Baseball gets Manager of the Year from me. All right. All right. We're almost uh, to the MVPs, but first let's stop in and see who's picking up the Cy Young. I think of all of these, it's almost silly to do nominees for the AL.
1: Yeah, it really is, but I think we have to.
0: (laughs) But... I think there's really only two true contenders in the NL as well, but let's go with the AL. Who are your nominees?
1: So I'm going to go from bottom up just because I went with Dylan Bundy of the angels. He was uh, six for three, had a three, a 3.29 ERA, but a really good what the angels needed on the mound. They need more of him. And then Garrett Cole, Lucas Giolito, of the White Sox,
0: and Shane Bieber, Bieber Fever. Which, that's the obvious one. Yes. I, I, I too thought about Dylan Bundy, but I looked at everything in comparison to others, and while he pitched really well, there were, there were a couple of times where he, he just didn't have it. I know that happens to a lot of pitchers, so obviously I went with Shane Bieber as well as a nominee. Kinta Maeda who led the Twins (laughs) pitching staff. Lucas Giolito, who threw the only American League no-hitter this year and was an ace. And then, of course, Garrett Cole, who kind of did his stuff quietly, but was definitely earning his money in the pinstripes. And now the National League nominees are... Trevor Bauer. Right. Hugh Darvish. Jacob DeGrom. And...
1: Nelson Lamett. I thought see. about
0: Lamet and I didn't go with him. I forgot about DeGrom, but you're right. He's definitely up there. And it was probably easy to forget because once the Mets season was over, kind of out of sight, out of mind. Trevor Bauer was definitely on my nominees. Kyle Hendricks, mm. Max Freed, and Yu Darvish. So we had a couple of them that matched up. Uh, I thought both, all of them, Yu Darvish had a, uh, an incredible year but it didn't really seem like, and he was on the verge of a couple of no hitters as well. And one of his teammates actually got the national league, no hitter. He didn't get it. Max Fried, definitely ace of the staff in Atlanta. Kyle Hendricks was incredible all season long. So who are your winners?
1: So for AL, I thought I would go way out on a limb and pick Shane Bieber um, really didn't hear a lot about him, but he had 122 strikeouts, a .87 whip, went eight for, was 8-for-1 the, during the season, 163 ERA. You know, not too shabby.
0: No, not at all. With that, uh, that 1.63 ERA led Major League Baseball. He also led in strikeouts, 122 of them. His uh, FIP was 2.07. All of these were MLB leading, not just American League leading, MLB leading. And his strikeout ratio uh, per nine, 14.2 strikeouts. So if you aren't sure, yes, I'm picking Shane Bieber (laughs) as well as the uh, Cy Young Award winner for the AL. Uh, Let's look at the NL. Who did you pick there?
1: Well, this one I had to go with... The next commissioner of Major League Baseball, Trevor Bauer.
0: Yeah, I think eventually he'll be there. What I wanted to call him is and what I hope is going to work out is Dylan Bundy's teammate with the Angels next season. He does look good in red. He does. So I went with Trevor Bauer as well. Uh, He led the National League with a 1.73 ERA, led the... NL and with the whip of 0.795, he too had a pretty high strikeout per nine at 12.3. So yeah, he was my, uh, he was my pick. I think he too, like Shane Bieber was kind of a given.
1: Yeah. Every time he
0: went out, he had a great outing.
1: Right. And if you look at his record, he, he was five and four, but you have to think, what did he do on the mound? Because offensively, he has to be backed up offensively. But he had 100 strikeout, and he held his opponents to a 159 batting average.
0: Right. And see, that's the thing with this win and loss record that I've learned more and more looking at WHIP, looking at FIP, mm. even the ERA. Because of how many times Kenta Maeda was on the verge of a no-hitter and then gets no decision. Yeah, he was winning when he left the game, but then he gets no, so he doesn't get a win. He didn't get a loss, so it didn't count against him. But that's, uh, there's a lot of times where that isn't a, the stat is not a good indicator of the pitcher. And right there, five and four is not a good indicator of what Trevor Bauer did on the mound this season. All right. Well, let's wrap up the our nominees and our guesses or our picks for the end of the season award winners. Like I said, those all be, the nominees will be announced on the second. For MVP, let's start off with the AL nominees. Who you got?
1: I got Jose Abreu, Shane Bieber, DJ LeMayhew, and Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Indians.
0: That's a good pick. I like Jose. I didn't, uh, I didn't have Jose on my list, but I did consider him. I, too, went with Jose Abreu, DJ LeMayhew, and Shane Bieber. We're alike on those. And then I also put Tim Anderson another white sock. I really liked what I saw. Not only I've been watching him, I'm a fan of Tim Anderson's. He's one of those that if I went to Chicago and bought a jersey, I would buy a Tim Anderson jersey. He's one of my favorites. Uh, so I thought him there. And I did, like I said, I did think about Jose Ramirez, but, uh, but didn't go there. How about your NL? NL, I have Freddie Freeman,
1: Manny Machado, much to my chagrin, <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr. and
0: Corey Seeger. Oh, wow. Uh, That's, it's missing a name I thought you would throw on there. I thought about Tatis Jr., but I didn't go that route. I too have Freddie Freeman and Manny Machado, Corey Seager. I added in, after I kept looking at things, Juan Soto of the Nationals. Under consideration, I know he came in late, but he had a great year. And then I also considered Mookie. Start me up. He was the catalyst and it was hard when looking across the board, especially with Mookie and Corey, because they were both really responsible and obviously we know what happened in the playoffs. Corey was the MVP of both the championship series and the world series, but I, you know, I had to consider Mookie as well.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So who's your AL pick for MVP?
1: So I went with Jose Abreu of the White Sox, 19 home runs, 60 RBIs. 317 batting average just all around good guy for the white
0: Sox. i agree with that i went with jose abreu as well he played all 60 games for 43 runs he led the american league with 76 hits second in mlb with home runs only to luke voigt of the yank he led the al in slugging percentage pretty great fielder 989 fielding percentage so i went with him there who did you go with for the nl
1: so nl Of course, I, you know, I think I got to go with Corey, but when I look at all the numbers and Corey was great, even Manny, you know, I call him, call him lazy Manny, but he was producing this season, but I went with Freddie Freeman, his 13 home runs, 53 RBIs, his, um, on base slugging percentage was 1.102, 341 batting average. On base percentage of four sixty-two, slugging six forty. Just yeah. I just couldn't think of somebody more deserving than uh, Freddie Freeman.
0: I agree. Freddie Freeman is definitely a great player. And because of what happened during the playoffs, more people got to see him. Yeah. Uh, Mookie really carried the team, did great in his inaugural season with the Dodgers. Corey, right on the edge. I I wouldn't be surprised if he won. But, and Manny, again, as much as we're not fans of Manny, it has less to do about the way he plays and how he left the Dodgers and the way he's been with the Padres. And I guess he owes somebody money. He does. That fan needs to track him down. But I agree with Freddie Freeman. He's a good guy for sure. From what we see, He's, he's just a solid everyday player. Led the major leagues with 51 runs scored. 23 doubles also led the major leagues. 73 hits. So he had a solid season and was really, you can't blame him for the Braves not being in the World Series because he was, I think we even talked about it, he probably would have been the MVP of the League Championship Series had the Braves won it all. He really put that together and didn't get the assistance he needed. Freddie Freeman's definitely finally getting First, towards the end of his career, maybe. We'll see how much longer he plays. And this is the guy who had COVID at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, and he had it. I mean, he really uh, had all, I mean, I guess, like
0: all of the symptoms and that you read about. He had it all. So bad that Nick Marcakis opted out. Right. He didn't want to take a chance <laughs> of getting it. Obviously, yeah. he came back in. But, yeah. So, there we go. We That's our picks. For the postseason awards, check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we'll be talking about who actually won the awards on Awards Week starting November 9th. And that'll do it for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast.
1: Remember, you can find us on our website, siblingrivalrybb.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at siblingrivalrybb.
0: We're also on Twitter at siblingrivalrybb without the A. Email us, show at SiblingRivalryBB.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to our podcast.
1: Next week on Sibling Rivalry Baseball, we put the
0: tarp on the field and the finishing touches on our rookie season. Only one more episode and we still haven't found Josh Fields yet.
1: You're out!